Hey, welcome to Pastor Ryan. Thanks for checking this station out. This is your weekly podcast where we post on Mondays and Thursdays. Mondays, we walk through a passage or a chapter of the Bible. We pull the truths of God out so we can apply it to our lives. Thursday is This Day in History, 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 uh, where we check out big events, births, deaths that impact the world around us. Hey, don't forget to check back often each week. Like, share, subscribe, love God, love people, make disciples. Good evening. We're going to be back in Psalm, uh, first, or first Psalm, First Samuel, chapter 18. Uh, we're going to kind of walk through this chapter. Um, I'm not going to break it down verse by verse like we usually do. We're going to look at the difference between Saul and David tonight. Uh, but I want to catch you up. Uh, chapter 16, David is anointed. Uh, the, the word for anointed uh, is Messiah. The word for Messiah is anointed one, right? And so there's a picture of Jesus uh, to come. But David is the one who is anointed uh, as a savior type figure against Goliath uh, and the Philistines. And so God is raising up David as he's rejected Saul. Um, he even becomes the armor bearer and music player for King Saul. Chapter 17, he defeats Goliath uh, with the strength of God. Uh, chapter 18, uh, Paul or Saul, sorry, Saul's son Jonathan uh, befriends David, as, as Tom talked about last week, uh, and even one of his daughters begins to love David, uh, even though Saul meant it for a different purpose. We're going to see that tonight. But First Samuel chapter 18. Uh, God has been providentially uh, working through the lives of those in this book. This is a historical narrative. It's 3,000 years old. Uh, and so as the reader or the listener would be listening to this, it would be a type of a story of their history uh, of the people of God. And so verse 1 of chapter 18, we're going to start where Tom uh, uh, led us uh, last week, and we're going to continue on uh, through the chapter. But it says, As soon as he had finished speaking to Saul... The soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David, and Jonathan loved him as his own soul. And Saul told him uh, that day, sorry, that day, and would not let him return to his father's house. Then Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as his own soul. And Jonathan stripped himself of the robe uh, that was on him and gave it to David and his armor and even the sword and his bow and his belt. And David went out and was successful wherever Saul sent him, so that Saul set him over the men of war. And this was good in the sight of all the people and also in the sight of Saul's servant. As they were coming home, when David returned from striking down the Philistine, the women came out of all the cities of Israel singing and dancing to meet King Saul with tambourines, with songs of joy, with musical instruments. And the women sang to one another as they celebrated. Saul has struck down his thousands and David his ten thousands. And Saul was very angry and this uh, and this saying displeased him. He said, They have ascribed to David ten thousands, and to me have ascribed thousands. And what more can he have but the kingdom? And Saul eyed David from that day on. The next day a harmful spirit of God uh, from God rushed upon Saul, and he raved within his house while David was playing the lyre, uh, as he did day by day. Saul had his spear in his hand, and Saul hurled the spear, for he thought, I will pin David to the wall. But David evaded him twice. Saul was afraid of David because the Lord was with him, but had departed from Saul. So Saul removed him from his presence and made him a commander of a thousand. And he went out and came in before the people. And David had success in all his undertakings, for the Lord was with him. And when Saul saw that he had great success, he stood in fearful all of him. But all of Israel and Judah loved David, for he went out and came in before them. 
Then Saul said to David, Here is my elder daughter Merib. I will give her to you for a wife. Only be valiant for me and fight for the Lord's or fight the Lord's battles. For Saul thought, Let my, not my hand be against him, but let the hand of the Philistines be against him. And David said to Saul, Who am I, and who are my relatives, my father's clan in Israel, that I should be son-in-law to the king? But at that time, when Merib, Saul's daughter, should have been given to David, she was given to Adriel, the uh, Mahilothite, for a wife. Now Saul's daughter, Michael, loved David. And they told Saul, and the thing pleased him. Saul thought, let me give her to him, that she may be a snare for him, and that the hand of the Philistines may be against him. Therefore Saul said to David a second time, You shall now be my son-in-law. And Saul commanded his servants, Speak to David in private, and say, Behold, the king has delight in you, and all his servants love you. Now then became, or become the king's son-in-law. And Saul's servants spoke to those words in the ears of David. And David said, Does it seem to you a little thing to become the king's son-in-law, since I am a poor man and have no reputation? And the servants of Saul told him, Thus and so did David speak. Then said Saul, uh, then Saul said, sorry, Thus you shall say to David, The king desires no bride price except a hundred foreskins of the Philistines, that he may be avenged of the king's enemies. Now Saul thought to make David fall by the hand of the Philistines. And when his servants told David these words, it pleased David well to be the king's son-in-law. Before the time had expired, David arose and went along with his men and killed two hundred of the Philistines. And David brought their foreskins, which were given in full number to the king, that he might become the king's son-in-law. And Saul gave him his daughter Michael for a wife. But when Saul saw and knew that the Lord was with David, and that Michael, Saul's daughter, loved him, Saul was even more afraid of David. So Saul was David's enemy continually. Then the commanders of the Philistines came out to battle, and as often as they came out, David had more success than all the servants of Saul, so that his name was highly esteemed. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that we have your word. Uh, your word that we can carry around with us to and from wherever we go. God, I pray that you give us a heart for your word so that we may dig in and dive deep and just read it as a letter from you, a holy God, to us, a broken, sinful people. Because in the word of God, you've given us hope and life through your son, Jesus. I pray that we have a heart for your word to apply it to our lives so that we may change the world around us with the good news of Jesus. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. So we see this big, long uh, chapter. Um, there's a lot going on in here. We're not going to break down everything uh, in it. Uh, but we see that Saul, his name means asked for. The people asked for a king to go out and fight the battles. Well, when the battle was arise, uh, arose, Saul, like the people of God, hid in fear of Goliath. God then raises up David. Uh, his spirit departs Saul and falls on David. And David goes out and fights the battles for the people. He fights for the king. Saul even sets him up as a warrior uh, over men of war. And he has great success. Um, the providence of God uh, is on David. Everything that David does is successful. It's because of God and his uh, uh, spirit uh, on him. It's even said of David that he's a man after God's own heart. And Saul is rejected by God, and he is losing the kingdom slowly. Saul is beginning to see this. Uh, and so at the beginning of this chapter, as Tom talked about, Jonathan makes a covenant with David. Uh, Jonathan doesn't know that David has been anointed as the next king. Jonathan, by all account, knows that he is next in line to be king after his father 
Saul, and yet he gives his heart to David. Saul is marked by three things, fear, anger, and jealousy. Look at verse 8. And we're going to look at some of the, 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 the sentences of Saul, or the sentences, the, the description of Saul in this chapter. We're going to look at both men. We're going to look at Saul first, then we're going to look at David. But verse 8, it says this, And Saul was very what? Angry. Uh, and this saying displeased him. When, they said, when the, the ladies came out uh, and they sang of Saul, Saul killed a thousand, and they kept singing, David killed ten thousand, right? Uh, and this was very displeasing. He began to be angry. If there's any guys in here single or online watching, uh, and if you have ladies singing and dancing for you, uh, how awesome you are, you're in, right? This is period, you're in. Uh, Saul, however, did not like the song uh, because his verse was less than David's verse. And so he begins to be very angry. They have ascribed David to 10,000, and to me have ascribed thousands. And what more can he have but the kingdom? So now he's seeing the bigger picture. Do, do they want to give David the kingdom? Right? So Saul is now beginning to see this picture, and he's very angry. Look at verse 10. The next day a harmful spirit from God rushed upon Saul, and he raved within his house while David was playing the lyre, as he did day by day. Saul had his spear in his hand, and Saul hurled the spear, for he thought, I will pin David to the wall. Now verse 10 is very interesting. Uh, if we were to read this haphazardly, just read it. Uh, just quickly, we would kind of miss this. Uh, but the next day, a harmful spirit from God rushed upon Saul. Uh, this is a very serious verse. We see something about God. We see something about Saul. Uh, Saul is a human, a human being uh, that can be impressed on by God. We know that God uses Pharaoh uh, in a negative way in Exodus, right? God hardened Pharaoh's heart. Now, we will never understand verses like this other than God is sovereign and he is providentially working through the lives of his people so that his purposes will be accomplished. That's what I'll say about that. God here is doing the exact same thing. He is using Saul to accomplish his purposes, uh, and that's something we're going to wrestle with, God's sovereignty and man's responsibility. God is in control of all things in heaven and on earth, things that we see, things that we don't see, and yet man is still responsible for the choices that we make. Saul is the same way. Saul is responsible for his choices. He is very angry at David. He begins to be the enemy of David continually from this day forward. We're going to see chapter after chapter after chapter where Saul is chasing David. David is hiding. David could be, uh, in one moment, could have killed Saul in a cave. Uh, and yet God says, hey, wait, it's not the time. Uh, and so there are two different people here. Saul, who's marked by fear, anger, and jealousy. And David, who's marked by trusting in God's plan. Look at verse 12. Saul was afraid of David because the Lord was with him and had departed from Saul. So Saul's angry, Saul's jealous, and Saul's afraid. Look at verse 15. And when Saul saw that he had great success, he stood in fearful awe of him. Now a king to be standing in fear of someone is very serious. Saul is the king. A king in biblical days could do whatever he wanted. He made the laws, he made the rules, he made everything happen that was going to be happening. Saul was it. And yet he sees David, a guy who plays the music, and a guy who goes and fights war, and now he's afraid of David because God is with him. Look at verse 29. Saul was even more afraid of David, so Saul was David's enemy continually. Saul even tries to kill David several instances. We saw in verse 10 this harmful spirit of God rushed upon Saul. He had a spear in his hand. 
just by happenstance, and he sees David as a target, and he throws a spear. Just like any movie you would watch of, of medieval times, he throws this spear because he wants to pin David to the wall with a spear. That's how angry he is. And it says David uh, evaded him twice. Maybe he did like a couple of juke moves. But we know the Spirit of God is with David, and there is a purpose that God has for David. It's to be the next king, uh, right? But look at verse 21. Saul thought, let me give her to him, this is Michael, uh, that she may be a snare for him, that the hand of the Philistines may be against him. Saul gives both of his daughters to David in marriage. The first one is married off before uh, they had a chance to marry. And then Michael's the second. But Saul says there's a bride price. Uh, and so he said, the no less bride price than what? Do you remember what he asked David to do? Yeah, so of the Philistines, right? Uh, and so this, this would be vulgar to us, but in biblical days, this was something that would happen. This is a bride price. Uh, and so Saul was hoping that David was going to go out to try to do this and be killed by the Philistines. But wouldn't you know it, David goes out, he kills the men, and he brings their foreskins back to Saul. For what reason? I don't know, but that was the price. Uh, and, God, and God was with David, and David was successful, and he marries Michael, and it says of Michael that he, she loved David, right? And so not only does his son Jonathan, but now his second daughter, Michael, loved David even more. Look at verse 12. Oh, sorry. Verse 21. Saul thought, let me give her to him, that he may be a snare for him, that the hand of the Philistines may be against him. Saul here uh, is, again, defined by his emotions, his anger, his jealousy, even fear. I want you to turn to a couple of passages. We're going to look at Psalm 37. We're still looking at David, or Saul, sorry. We're still looking at Saul and just his anger, his fear, and his jealousy. We're going to look at a few passages uh, that teach or that move the reader against such things. But Psalm 37, chapter, chapter 37, verse 8. The first one there can read it as a prize. Yeah, so anger and wrath lead to what, Jim? Did you, did you catch it at the very end? Yeah, it leads to evil, right? Saul was raised up to be the first king of Israel. And yet Saul began to go his own way and not listen to the word of God, not listen to the prophet of God. And now he becomes angry in his jealousy and his fear of David. And it only leads to evil. Saul will be killed, right? Jonathan will even die. And David will stand. And we're going to see some more about him. Uh, go to Proverbs chapter 15. Proverbs chapter 15. And we're going to look at verse 18. A hot-tempered man stirs up strife, but he who is slow to anger quiets contention. We see Saul, who's in his house, in his, uh, in his, in his mansion, his palace. David's playing music. And for whatever reason, he has a spear in his hand and his hot temper causes him to take this spear and throw it at David, who's playing music for the king. Right? The music of David was supposed to calm the king and soothe the king's soul. And, and Saul being in, uh, in anger, it leads to evil, Psalm 37 says, and then he begins to try to kill David. Proverbs 22, 24 says, Make no friendship with a man given to anger, nor go with a wrathful man. Why? Because it's dangerous. 
A wrathful man, a man who's quick to anger, uh, only leads to evil and death and destruction. But now we're going to look at David. Go back to 1 Samuel. Um, I'm going to read from chapter 16. We're going to see from the beginning uh, when he's anointed by Samuel. But if you want to turn there, you can. 1 Samuel 16, verse 18 says, uh, One of the young men answered, Behold, I have seen a son of Jesse, the Bethlehemite, who is skillful in playing uh, music, a man of valor, a man of war, prudent in speech, and a man of good presence, and the Lord is with him. So this is said of David in chapter 16. Into this chapter that we're in now, 1 Samuel 18, it says it three times. Saul was afraid of David, verse 12 of chapter 18, because the Lord was with him. Uh, verse 14, and David had success in all his undertakings, for the Lord was with him. Uh, verse 28, but when Saul saw and knew that the Lord was with David, and that Michael, Saul's daughter, loved him, he began to be angry and jealous and fearful. God is with David. He has departed Saul. He is raising up David. And now we're going to get into some good stuff. Why are both of these men of the same people, Israel, why are they so very different? That's the question. We have Saul, we have David, both are from the people of God, and yet they turn out really different. They're polar opposites. God raised them both up, right? Uh, they're both from the Israelites. They have the same enemy at this point, the Philistines. And so what's the difference? If you could name something, this is kind of question and answer time. If you could see just so far that we've, we've gone through 18 chapters, what's the main difference between Saul and David? Okay, so Saul was uh, from the people. He raised up. The people said, we want a king. Uh, and David was raised up by God. He was anointed by God, that kind of thing. Okay, what else? What's the big difference? Yeah, he's good looking too like you, right? So David is, or David is, they're both, they were both good looking, right? If you remember what Saul, he was a foot or shoulder above everybody else. So he's taller than everybody else. He was also handsome and good looking, right? But it's also said of David, he was ruddy and beautiful, right? So even David was good looking, probably not as big and warrior-like as Saul, but Saul is cowering. Uh, you bring up the word, the word that I have written down is trust. Saul trusted in himself. Right? We see he makes decisions based on the circumstances that he's in, uh, and he goes without God. Right, He chooses to walk his own way, uh, even when God says, wait for my word, wait for me. David trusts in God, uh, and things happen. Right, uh, And so we can, we're going to look at some of this. I want you to turn to Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. This is a verse or passage that you can put on your mirror in the morning, and if you follow this, uh, these two verses, uh, life will be very good for you. Um, now, not in a sense that nothing ever bad will happen, but your perspective on life when you go through ups and downs uh, will be well. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will make straight your paths. When we trust God, we wait for God, we listen to God, when we get into God's Word, we'll be able to know good from evil, right? We're going to know truth from false. Uh, falsehood or, or fiction, uh, or sorry, nonfiction, and then we will be able to walk the ways of God. But when we start to trust in ourselves, 
uh, we go a different route, right? Saul has done this. He's trusted in his own strength. Uh, and David is marked by one who trusts God. God's plan is unfolding, uh, not only in 1 Samuel, but all throughout history. He's faithful to his covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, right? All the way through up until David, uh, Solomon, all the way up to Jesus. God has been faithful to his covenant uh, to bring a Messiah, a true Messiah. It all goes back to Genesis chapter 3 uh, when he says, hey, there's going to be one who's going to crush the head of the serpent, right? That's the gospel. That points to Jesus all the way through. I want you to turn back to Proverbs. Stay in Proverbs. Go to chapter 14. There's a theme tonight. You're flipping your Bible a lot. But I really want you to see these uh, verses. There are two ways to live your life. You can trust God and his plan, or you can trust in yourself and your plan. One of them will be successful, and one of them will be not. Look at Proverbs 14, chapter 12. Chapter 14, verse 12. I don't know why I'm doing that tonight. There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way to death. Man can go his own way and do his own thing apart from God, but in the end it leads to death. We can look at the life of Saul. We're going to see this all the way through this book. Proverbs 19.21 Many are the plans in the mind of a man, but it's the purpose of the Lord that will stand. If I were to tell you who's going to win a baseball game, who are you going to root for? The team that wins, probably. Right? Back to the Future. It's a great movie. I do not recommend it, but it's a good movie. That's weird. In the movie, in the plot, they go back in time. There's an almanac that tells them all the winners of every sporting event uh, in history, right? Uh, and Dr. Doc says, Marty, you can't take this back to the future. It'll only lead to bad things, right? Well, somebody grabs a hold of it and becomes like one of the wealthiest persons in the world because he knew the outcome of every sporting event in the world, right? And life is altered. History is all, it's just weird. It messes everything up. All that to say this. If we know the outcome that God wins... Wouldn't we want to be on his team? Most of us would say yes, hopefully. But there are people who hear this and will say, nope, I'd rather go my own way. Saul was one of those, right? All throughout the history of God's people, from the Exodus all the way through up until the time of the kings, God has done miraculous things, wonderful, powerful, awesome things, and yet Saul still goes his own way. says, no, I'd rather do things my way, right? There's two ways to live your life. You can trust God and His plan, or you can trust yourself. Turn to Isaiah chapter 14. Isaiah chapter 14, verse 24. Isaiah is a prophet, just like Samuel. And he speaks, uh, and God is speaking through him. And he says this in Isaiah 14, verse 24. The Lord of hosts has sworn, As I have planned, so shall it be. And as I have purposed, so shall it stand. God's purpose will win. God's plan will prevail. God wins in the end. Jesus has already won, right? Trust in God and His ways, not in self and what you can do, what you think you can do. It is only God who wins in the end, uh, not man who tries to go his own way. From the fall in the garden, throughout time, God is working out His plan to bring about His will which is good and perfect. We are created to be in a relationship with Him, and yet we trust our ways over His ways. That's called sin. 
We all sin and fall short of God's glory. We all deserve wrath because of sin. It's what taints us. It's what, it's what separates us from God, a holy God. We can't fix it on our own. Saul can't fix his plight at this point because he continues to trust in himself. Right? We can only trust that Jesus is the way. Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God, the free gift of God, is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. That's it. That's the only way to get out of uh, a life of sin or a life of separation. 1 Corinthians 15 says, Paul is talking to the church, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that He was buried and that He was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures. All who call on the name of Jesus will be what? Saved. Saul, at any moment in his life, could have turned his life around and said, Lord, I need you. And it would have been different. The history of Saul would have been totally different. And yet he continues to walk his own way. David trusts in the Lord. And what happens to David? He's successful. Now, is this uh, a description of what happens to us when we trust in God? Sometimes. But there are sometimes we walk through really bad, hurtful, painful things. And yet I will still trust in the Lord. Remember Job? Job lost everything. Everything. He had sores on his body. He was sitting in just pain. And what does he say? Yet will I serve him. He loses everything. The Lord gives, the Lord takes away. And Job is still faithful to following God and leaning on God for all things. Today we find ourselves in a culture shift. If you watch the news, you can see things are radically changing in the world around us, especially our nation, right, in our, in our country. We are moving further and further away from God and trusting in God and trusting in self. Everything throughout history, everything throughout our news uh, now is a man uh, leaning on self instead of God. But there's one way, there's one truth and one life, and it's only found in Jesus so now let's get back to Saul and David. There is friction between Saul and David. It's going to, get, uh, it's going to increase as we go throughout the next chapters. Uh, God provides for David and is grooming him to be king. David's going to go through some ups and downs. He's going to be running for his life. And yet God is going to be teaching him how to be the next king. But David, unlike Saul, is provided to protect the people of God from the hands of the Philistines. And Jesus is provided for us to free us from the hand of sin and death. David is a picture of the king who is going to come, and his name is Jesus. Jesus even comes from the line of David. He prefigures Jesus as king. He will care for his people, even those uh, of Saul's own family. Saul is the enemy of David from this point forward. Jonathan, his son, has made a covenant with David. David will make another covenant with Jonathan and says, I'm going to take care of your family. I'm going to restore your family back to the palace, right? Back to the kingdom. Uh, 1 Samuel chapter 20, we'll get there in a, in a few weeks. David promises Jonathan that he would protect his family. And then in 2 Samuel chapter 9, I want you to turn there. 2 Samuel chapter 9, it comes to pass. 2 Samuel chapter 9, David uh, returns good uh, on his covenant with Jonathan to protect his family. This is a, a big moment in the life of David and the family line of Saul. But it also is a picture of of what Jesus has done for us. 2 Samuel chapter 9, starting at verse 1, says this, And David said, Is there still anyone left in the house of Saul 
that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake. At the beginning of this chapter we started, chapter 18, Jonathan just lays it all out there and says, I'm yours, David. And he gives him his armor, gives him his clothes, I mean, his robe. He is all in with David. He doesn't know David's going to be the next king. He thinks he's going to be the next king under Saul. And yet he sees David and his trust for God. And now David here is saying, is there anyone left for Jonathan's sake? Verse 2, now there was a servant of the house of Saul whose name was Ziba. And they had called him to David. And the king said to him, are you Ziba? And he said, I am your servant. And the king said, is there not still someone of the house of Saul that I may show kindness of God to him? Ziba said to the king, there is still a son of Jonathan. He is crippled in his feet. The king said to him, where is he? And Ziba said to the king, he is in the house of uh, Makir, the son of Amiel at Lodabar. These are awesome names, by the way. Then the king David uh, sent and brought him from the house of Makir, the son of Amiel uh, at Lodabar. We're going to get there. And Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul. So this is the grandson of Saul, came to David and fell on his face and paid homage. And David said, Mephibosheth. And he answered, Behold, I am your servant. And David said to him, Do not fear, for I will show you kindness for the sake of your father Jonathan. And I will restore you to all the land of Saul your father, and you shall eat at my table always." And he paid homage to him and said, What is your servant that you should show regard for a dead dog such as I? David, who becomes king, looks after Saul's grandson and restores all the land and all the rights of a kingly person back to the palace in Mephibosheth. Like David's covenant with Jonathan, Jesus makes a covenant with all who would place their trust in him. Ezekiel chapter 11, 19-21 says this, and this is of God speaking through the prophet. And I will give them one heart and a new spirit. I will put within them. I will remove the heart of stone from their flesh and give them a heart of flesh. That they may walk in my statutes and keep my rules and obey them. And that my people, uh, or that they shall be my people and I will be their God. But as for those whose heart go after the, their detestable things and their abominations, I will bring their deeds upon their own heads, declares the Lord. God says, I'm going to restore my people back to me. But those who continue in their ways, he's going to heap it all back on them. Romans 8, 1 says what, Noah? Romans 8, 1 says, therefore And in verse 2, for the law of the spirit of the life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do. By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their mind on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the spirit set their minds on the things of the spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. If we are in Christ, there is no more condemnation. If we continue to walk our own way, there will be wrath and judgment in the end. There's two ways to live your life. Like Saul, he goes his own way, or like David, who trusts in God. And so my plea tonight is let us trust in the Lord and not our own understanding. So how are we to trust God? How do we trust God? Much in the same way you're sitting in a pew right now. You're sitting in the pew 
hoping that pew is going to hold you up throughout this lesson, throughout this time, right? The pew is literally holding your body and cradling you and giving you rest. We simply put our trust in God to hold us up during difficult times, difficult seasons, maybe even difficult lives. And yet we continue to trust him, leaning on him. And we look back at Proverbs chapter 3 and it says, Lean not on your own understanding, but acknowledge God in everything that you do and he will make your paths straight. So as we close, I'll say this. When we trust God, we are saying, I am not in control. I am trusting that God has got this figured out. And in trusting God, we can have rest from worry, anxiety, and doubt. And when we trust, we realize how much we need him. And he loves you and provides Jesus as the answer, much like he did David to the people of God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that we have your word. That we see in the lives of Saul and David two ways to live our lives today. We can be marked by those who trust you in all that we do. Or we can be marked by those who trust in self and go our own way. One leads to life. One leads to death. I pray that as we wake up uh, each day that we fall on our face before you. And we say, <laughs> what have we done to deserve your grace? And you simply say nothing but trusting in Jesus. He is the life. He is the way and he is the truth. Help us to lean on you and to trust you in all that we say, all that we do. God, I pray that we as a church will rally together and lift up your name in all that we do, in all that we say. I pray that those who, who are, are, are at home and are just waiting to come back, I pray that you push in their hearts that today is the day to, to rise up and to fellowship again, to, to come back as one body under Christ. So that we not only just show up and just have numbers to, to, to say we've got numbers, but that we show up, that we can rally around one another, we can, we can encourage one another and lift up one another for your glory so that we can go out and to share the good news. God, we know that there are a lot of things on our hearts this evening. There are a lot of prayer requests we talked about before this service. God, we pray for our nation. We pray for our communities. We pray for the families that we represent. Help us to trust you no matter what. And it's all because of Jesus. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.